I want to celebrate something that God did last week in all of our locations. Uh, we heard from Hal Donaldson, didn't he do a great job? Convoy of Hope and shared the vision and the dream of what's going on. Powerful, like super powerful. Um, but at the end, we put a challenge out there to the Emmanuel family and just said, hey, we want to be the catalyst to start a feeding program in the country of Madagascar and, uh, and for, for us to to make a difference in feeding kids and to feeding families. And of course, economic turnaround starts with feeding because kids that get a meal actually go to school. And there's a whole set of domino effects to that. And the goal that we set out to you was that we want to feed 700 every day for, or this year. And that would be about $100,000 in across all locations. In one day, that's somewhat of a record in one day dropping it on you other than our miracle offering. And then the goal would be in the next few years, we'd up the ante and we would feed more and more and more people. Well, guess what? Not only 100,000 came in, but $146,000 came in. Come on, somebody. Uh, just blown away because God is not done. There's something beautiful happening in our church and through our church, and I'm excited about the future. Really excited about diving into the message here in a moment, but before I do, uh, I want to reflect on what God is doing in our youth ministry and the next generation and the revival that is happening, the renewal, and I'm so excited that God has not passed the next generation by. He's done something brand new, and uh, we had a number of students that were uh, in a fine arts competition through our denomination this weekend, and and, uh, they're using their gifts for the glory of God. And so we asked one of those to share today, and uh, Becca's coming. She's going to share a spoken word that will set up my message. Would you give it up for Becca as she comes? We're so excited. You go. Still and know that I am God. So why don't we? What is it about church that pushes us to do more than is healthy? It's a production. No wonder people want more. Welcome people in. Next service, move them out. Wash, rinse, repeat until it tastes bitter in your mouth. Who told you it was God's will to prioritize projects over people? Good grades over good friends and pretty lights over prayer time. Let me ask you something. Where is Jesus in your forced doing? In your overexerting, is there a reason you can't find him? Why, when you try to read your Bible, you can barely keep your eyes open? You say that you're tired and you're sick of trying, but you haven't tried God, you've tried religion. The relationship part is the piece you've been missing. Taste and see that a feast is better than fast food, but when was the last time you sat still long enough to enjoy it, not just drive through? See, you don't get to set the schedule when your life is surrendered to the king. He sets the time to work and the time to rest. He tells the moon to rise and the sun to set. 
He is God, and what he created is best. So why do we forget? Collectively, we forgot that the Sabbath is a command. Who are we to say no to the stone that came from God's hands? Even on a Sunday, you can't avoid this by serving or going or preaching or sowing. You have to stop and spend time knowing. Because serving isn't bad, but serving comes out of the overflow of time spent with God, not in substitute for it. Listen, serving is not bad, but serving comes out of the overflow of time spent with God, not in substitute for it. So be still. Take a breath. And try to remember that what gets you into heaven is not a promotion or a GPA. It's the time you choose to invest every day to get to know the one who wants to know you, who created you to be satisfied when it's just you too. To live in his teachings, not just teach them to others. To delight and be still in the heart of the Father. Thank you. Come on. Don't mess with the next generation, folks. We're taking it serious. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Hey, take out your Bibles, if you would, to 1 John. We're in a brand new series. Of course, this is week number two. We skipped a week last week where we're looking at, it's called Dear Friend, we're looking at the, the correspondence of the Apostle John to the church. If you remember, John is an older apostle. In fact, the tradition says that he's the only apostle that was not martyred. And he has a great love that he wants to pass on to the church. So he writes dearly as family members. He cares about the people he's talking to. It's not, a, it's not some kind of distant uh, corporate speech letter template uh, approved by some attorneys. He's actually caring about the people he's writing to, and he wants them to succeed. He wants them to experience the love that he experienced. You see, when John was with Jesus and walked and talked and observed Jesus and all that he did, something about Jesus was very different than the rest of the world that was around him. See, John had seen governments come in and take over countries, the Roman government. The, 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 he saw religious systems of government and how they worked on people. And he saw hurting and oppressed people. But Jesus was different. He passed through all of those systems and he had a whole nother kingdom, a whole nother operating system going on inside of him. And the kingdom of Jesus was so different, so real, so passionate, so loving that, that he wanted those that were listening to his letters, reading his letters, to experience everything that Jesus had. Not just a soundbite, not just a Twitter post. He wanted them to get the full life of it. And so as we looked in week number one, we talked about how the 
process to opening the door to the light of Jesus, because John used imagery, light and dark. And he talked about love being like light and darkness being like sin. And light comes into the world, and the process of turning the light on for you and I is confession. Learning to open up the channel between us and God turns the light on. Turn to the person next to you and say, turn the light on. So through this series, we're going verse by verse, and it'll be a virtual miracle if I finish by the end of the scheduled time. The title of my message is Beat the System today, Beat the System. First John chapter 2, starting of verse 3. And we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. For John, knowing Jesus, not just about him, is massively important. It's central to his letter. The incredible life-changing encounter of Jesus, this love of God, changes people and transforms them. Information does not equal transformation. Religious systems were everywhere. But knowing Jesus changes everything. And that relationship between you and Jesus is critical. Not just about him, but knowing him. And we can be sure we know him if we obey his commandments, John says. Knowing equals participating in Jesus' way and his word. So if you want to know Jesus, then you got to do what Jesus did, and you got to read the word. That's how you know him. Verse 4 said, if someone claims I know God but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and is not living the truth. So it's very simple what John is saying is that knowing equals obeying. You don't just know about him or historically know him. You know him as you obey him. Those who say they live in God should live like Jesus did. So what does that look like? Well, let's go on. Verse number seven says this. Dear friends, I am not writing a new commandment for you. Rather, it is an old one you have had from the very beginning. This old commandment to love one another, say that with me, to love one another, is the same message you heard before. Yet it is also new. Jesus lived the truth of this commandment, and you also are living it. For the darkness is disappearing, and the true light is already shining. He says there's an old commandment, meaning it was basic, fundamental, unchanging, that you've got to handle. Love one another goes back to the beginning of the Bible, and it works its all way all the way through. It's a fundamental part of knowing God and being with God and a result of being with God, loving one another. 
And so if you think about it, he says it's an old commandment. It's something you should not forget about no matter how old you get. It's important. Back in 1961, the Green Bay Packers, some of you like them, some of you hate them. They had lost the, the NFL championship that they were in, the conference championship. And so the following year, the coach, Vince Lombardi, anybody ever hear of Vince Lombardi? He's a legendary coach, and he comes up, and he and now starts the next season off with this group of veterans who were very successful. They did really well, but they lost in the championship. And on that first practice of that next year, he comes in and he holds up a football and he says to this group of veteran football players, gentlemen, this is a football. <laughs> now, if I'm there and I've been playing football for many years, I might be insulted. No, duh, that's a football. But what Vince Lombardi was saying, listen, we can't go past the fundamentals. We need to remember the elemental, most important facets of what we do, and we need to get really good at it. And if we get really good at it, we'll have good results down the road. And so that year, they focused on fundamentals, the very basic of things, worked them in practice over and over and over again until eventually they won the championship that year. Well, John here in 1 John is saying the very same thing. He's saying, church, this is a football. Love one another. Don't go past that. Don't get so full of all your knowledge about everything in life and scripture and politics and everything else that you're a know-it-all and you miss the fact that you're supposed to love each other. So you got all that history, but you're not winning the championship because you're disobeying what the word says. You want to know if you really love God? Love people. Jesus was the living model of that. That's the new. In the New Testament, Jesus walked and talked, and you saw it. He was on display. He was a visual example of how to love other people. This was a guy that grew up in a, in, a, in a status that nobody knew him until he was 30 years old. He was a son of a carpenter, and he lived in a, in a state of being that everybody knew that his parents weren't married when his mom got pregnant. He lived his life where people looked down at him for his country of origin. In fact, he had to move to Egypt for a while and back. And, and this is a guy that when he did go public, he would walk and talk in and out of all of those systems I talked about. He would both heal a Roman soldier's uh, slave, and he would also take care of those that were healing and ostracized and out of the campus lepers. He would reach down and touch little children, and everywhere he went, he would love people, even the ones that hated him, even the ones that crucified him. Somehow, Jesus was uncorrupted by the systems of his day. He could walk around and he could still love. This is a great challenge for us as Christians in modern day America. Because when we see all of the things that aren't right, everything in us wants to throw the flag and call a foul and say, that's a lie. And spend our entire life in hatred of other people. 
But if we do so, we leave God's kingdom and we enter the system of the world. Uses that metaphor for the darkness is disappearing and the true light is shining. That's what Jesus does. He is the source. And friends, let me tell you this. If you want the kind of love that Jesus has, you can't get it from yourself. There's a very dangerous philosophy that's prevalent in, a, in modern society. And it's that you just need to look inward for your truth. Be true to yourself. Follow whatever you want, whatever you think. And I'm just telling you this. The more people do that, the more darkness plunges into their soul. And Jesus' light comes in. The truth is, Jesus is the light of the world. We need light that comes from him. What we do if we want the light is we reflect his light to the world. We aren't the light. Jesus is the light. Can I get an amen to that? Verse 9, if anyone claims, I am living in the light, but hates a fellow believer, that person is still living in darkness. Anyone who loves a fellow believer or his brother is living in the light and does not cause others to stumble. But anyone who hates a fellow believer is still living and walking in darkness. Such a person does not know the way to go, having been blinded by the darkness. In other words, if you're going to claim I'm living in the light, you can't hate your brother or your sister. Come on, somebody or anybody for that matter. But if you're doing that, the ones that do it and they hate, they bring that darkness to other people. Living in the light is not like living outside the light. If we hate our brother or our sister, we're in darkness. If we're living in jealousy or bitterness, it gets darker and darker and darker. But living in the light is an awareness that my behavior affects others too. It says in verse 10, does not cause others to stumble. Let me ask you a question. And you can ask this of yourself. Who is listening to my anger about and fill in the blank? What gets you angry? What ticks you off? What gets your ire? Your fire? <laughs> what comes out of you? And then who's listening to that? Uh, I remember there's parts of this as parents that we like and parts of this as parents that we don't like. Our kids pick up everything, don't they? Somebody said that you can have kids and you can have secrets, but you can't have them both. Because <laughs> they'll share it, right? So I didn't realize this, but you know, when I drive, I have certain behaviors and certain things come out of my mouth while I'm driving. You could write a book on it. Gas pedals on the right. Slow drivers should be in the right lane. I mean, I got a whole set of things, right? And I didn't realize that the darkness wasn't just in me, but I was passing the darkness to my sons. Because when they got their driver's license, and I started listening to them while I rode in the car, and they said the exact same things I was saying, how many know I had caused them to stumble, right? That's one small way of saying it, but did you know that your kids overhear you and how you critique your boss or your sister or people around you? 
and it passes to the next generation. And it's important for us, if it's going to be light, to not do those things. Ultimately, hatred plunges you into darkness. And the darkness will leave you lost without direction. Critiquing in social media is dangerous when it comes to other believers. Because you're spreading darkness instead of light. Now John stops to remind us at this point in 1 John chapter 2. Who and why he is writing. It's kind of like a little, hey, I'm going to give you this information. Now. Re- remember this. Who am I writing to? I'm, remind, I'm writing to older and younger people in the faith. Verse 12 will say, because your sins are forgiven. We're all considered God's children. So all of us are underneath that umbrella. And then why? He says, you are capable of handling this and you know the Father. So here's the deal. We're all on the same page in this next part I'm going to read. Every one of us count here. You are God's children saved by Jesus' blood. Okay? No matter what you've done, if you come underneath the blood of Jesus, you confess Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, you have the promises of what this Bible says. They're for you. Whether you're new to the faith, young in the faith, or you're mature and old, we're all underneath that umbrella. And he's writing us to tell us, you are capable of handling this life you're called to be in. You can do this. Turn to the person next to you and say, you can do this. If you feel like giving up, you feel like quitting. No, 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 no. You can't quit. Because you have everything you need in the word and in the body of Christ. And his spirit is here to help you. You can do this. All right. And he says, you know, the father, the source of our capacity ultimately comes from God, the father. Okay. Verse number 12, it says, I am writing to you who are God's children, because your sins have been forgiven through Jesus. I'm writing to you who are mature in the faith, or fathers, because you know Christ who existed from the beginning. And I'm writing to you who are young in the faith because you have won your battle with the evil one. I've written to you who are God's children because you know the Father. I've written to you who are mature in the faith because you know Christ who existed from the beginning. I've written to you who are young in the faith because you are strong. God's word lives in your hearts and you have won your battle with the evil one. Come on, somebody. This is a father speaking life into you. Baby, you can do this. You can persevere. You can do this, my children. But nobody's ever believed in me. Ah, it's not true. I just read to you. You have a spiritual father millennia ago speaking life to you. You can do this. And now the obstacle to loving God and loving people is presented. Now we've got all this as a backdrop. And then he says this. Do not love this world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the father in you. For John, the world is where you get your light from sometimes. If you're going to go to the world, you can't have the love of the Father. You got, you're going to the wrong source, he's saying. If you plug into the world, you trust in the world, you receive instructions only from the world, then the systems in this world call out for your devotion and your affection. 
If you do this, you'll get that. And in this world, there's own or cultures and expectations and systems. And if you buy into all of that only as your source of light and love, you won't have the love of the Father in you. Do not love the world. In other words, don't rely on the world. Don't go to the world for your strength. It doesn't mean that you don't have to live among systems any more than Jesus or John had to in his day. For them, it was the Roman government, and it was the systems of religious systems around there, and there were economic systems that they had to move in and out of, and corporations, and that kind of thing. For us today, that might be for you just coming to the United States. You move to the United States, you got to live by the laws of the United States. For you, that might be as a parent, you sign your kids up for sports or music or whatever, and then you have to sign an agreement that you'll pay them their fees, that you'll take them to the places that they have to compete in and practices, and that you'll follow through it. You submit to their system, okay? Now, here's where it becomes a challenge in any of the systems of this world is when one system causes you to reject another system. If the system isn't evil, but it wants you to go to it for your source and obedience to that source is different than obedience to the Father, it will lead to competition. And the rules to become successful in the system may violate the system or the kingdom of God. And so he says, don't rely on it. You might have to play by some of the rules, but where there's a difference. And God says, you are not to murder. You are not to, you are not to uh, backslide. Uh, you're not to backtalk people. You're not to, to quarrel. When he says, you're not to be evil towards others by, by talking behind their back and gossiping. But everybody in the system does that. Now you're in competition. And John is saying, listen, when it comes to those points, those finer points, make sure that you don't just give in to the world's system, because as you do that, darkness comes in and the love of the Father leaves you. Now, this is really interesting to me because I was reading this text this last week. I was reading, I was thinking about it. I'm like, but wait a second. John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world. Is God saying, don't do what I do? No, it's very different. If you follow what God did when he loved the world, what did he do? He gave up his one and only son for the world. It was sacrificial because their sins caused them to encounter eternal judgment. And Jesus' death on the cross sets people free. So the kind of love that the Father has is very different than many of the systems we live in. Maybe in the sales uh, industry that you're in or in the corporation that you're in. In order to get ahead, you have to run over other people to get there and use means that just aren't ethical, but if it gets you to the top, then you're successful. And that's totally contrary to Jesus' way. Jesus' way is to take care of others. If you love the world, you don't have the love of the Father in you. And here's why it becomes an issue. Because we need the love of God to be light to others. If the light that comes out of us isn't from God, where's is it from? 
And so John is saying, listen, church, remember, you need to lean in. Don't just get caught up in following what everybody else loves and whatever everyone else is chasing. Make sure that you're chasing what the Father is doing, and then you get his love. The love of God changes lives. For God so loved the world. Now, here's the goal. To have the love of the Father or his kingdom when the systems of the world are all around us. We need to figure out a way to have the love of the Father, even though we have these systems around us. And to hit the goal, we must identify our own obstacles. And in the very next verse, John shows what those things are. It says this in verse 16. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. John says, listen, they're going to come at you with three things. Craving for physical pleasure, craving or lust for everything we see, or pride in our achievements. And if we take the bait that's out there, then it moves us away from God's love and towards the world's love. So he wants us to identify those things so we're smart about it. Because good motives don't equal good formulas sometimes. Well, I thought this was good. Yeah, but how did it result? You get the wrong system, you have the end result failing. And Jesus overcame all of those three things. If you think back to the beginning, actually, to Genesis, Adam and Eve were offered those three things. And then you go all the way to Luke chapter 4, and Jesus is led into the, the desert by the Spirit, and he's tempted by the enemy. What are those three temptations? So if we want to have hope of overcoming these things in the world, then we need to follow Jesus' way. And you know how Jesus handled it? Jesus paused, and this is what he did. He said, this, it is written. It is written. It is written. He went back to God's word, the Father's words. And if you can learn to take your own life, your own mind, your own heart, the challenges that you face, even in those three areas of temptation that the world is offering, instead of saying, I'm going to embrace that, and even if you fail in those things, you turn back to the Father and you say, Lord, I want what you have instead of what the world has. My strength comes from another kingdom. My pleasure comes from another kingdom. Here's the danger, and it happens to everybody. But once you get into a group of people in a business, in a group of a, a social group that you're in, success becomes your ultimate goal. Then all of a sudden, well, I want the status. I want to have a good house that everybody else has. I want what they have. I want, I want the money. I want, I want whatever it may be. And you chase that. That's the pride in one's possessions. But when you do that, you're chasing something that the Father has already offered you. You don't need those things to be accepted. You don't need those things to become somebody. When you give your life to Jesus, you are a son or daughter of heaven. You are the Father's child. You have everything you need. You no longer need those things to make you. These are not from the Father, but they are from this world, John says. Reject the world as your source and go to the Father. So here's my challenge as I end today's message. Can you seek the love of the Father while living around the love of the world? And when you have the love of the Father, 
You will do whatever the Father wants you to do, even if it costs you. You're willing to be obedient. Jesus walked in and out of the systems of the world, all the while with a different agenda. And we can be in the world without being of the world. Don't you stand with me today as we conclude the message. I had a friend that uh, worked out at a gym. I heard him telling the story the other day where his <laughs> buddy that he was working out with wasn't a church person, wasn't a Christian, but he knew my friend was. And, and so he kind of said to him, hey, listen, someday when I get over weed, I like to smoke pot. When I get cleaned up a little, then I'll come to your church. My friend who happened to be a pastor, he said, no, no, you don't need to quit weed. No, he didn't mean that part of it. But you don't need to do that in order to come to church. Yeah, that's not a prerequisite. And he said, you know, you don't have to take a shower to go to the gym. <laughs> you go to the gym, you take a shower, the shower cleans you off. And sometimes we think that we got to get cleaned up before we go work out before we can live it out. And I would just say this to you. You don't have to be perfect right now. There's no, in fact, there's nobody here that is perfect. No perfect people allowed. Turn to the person next to you and say, I'm not perfect and neither are you. But you know how you get you know how you beat the system? It's not becoming more perfect. It's by all of us going to the Father, trusting in Him. If you found yourself beginning to lean into and take the bait of the world and its system, don't try to fix it yourself. Go to the Father. Find yourself chasing more and more after God more full and the more thirsty and the more hungry and the more you eat of him, the more you want. The more you read the Bible, the more of the Bible you want. And the less of the world you want. Church, we need more of God, not less. We need to lean in. When we recognize we're off track and we're beginning to love the world and follow the, the, the systems of this world, that's the time for us to go, Lord, I don't want that. I don't want that anymore. Take it out of me. I want you. I want the Father. In a little bit, you're going to have an opportunity to give your life to Jesus. If you've never done it, you need to come back. And I encourage you to do that by the end of the service. But I think every one of us, we can go take a shower first or not. We can pause and just say, God, you do the cleaning. You do the work in my life. You do what I cannot do. We're going to sing together in a second. Just throw your hands up to heaven with me, would you? Father, we just come before you. And we thank you that you know us. You know the way that we take Father, I thank you that you're not done doing your work. You're not done. When you see your kids, you don't see good kids and bad kids. You see kids. They're yours. And Lord, your desire is to come and help us. And I pray, God, that you'd help us to lean into everything that you have. We want to love like you love. We want to lead like you lead. 
We want to parent like you would want us to parent. We want your kingdom to come in our life, your will to be done on earth. But this week, Lord, we recognize there's an obstacle. There's competing systems, voices calling out for us, for our behavior and our obedience. And I pray, God, that you would help us to bow our knee before you. Now, not later, but God, now we would pause and just recognize when the world is taking over. I pray, God, that we would push against the world by chasing you. We come to the Father today, and we ask, oh God, that you would, Lord, fill us up. Fill us with your kingdom. Give us the capacity to live and love the way you do on this earth, in this hour, we pray in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us. We pray that you are encouraged and blessed by today's message. Check out emmanuelcc.org for faith resources, how to get plugged into community, or to join us live on Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. We are so excited to see what God is going to do. The best is yet to come.